Well, praise God. Glad you guys are here this morning. Everybody out there watching and everybody in the building. I'm glad there's people in the building. I like to see faces. Amen. But I'm glad y'all are all out there watching too on the broadcast. Now, before I get going this morning, let me just tell you, um, I need I need subscribers. Okay, I need y'all to start subscribing. Make sure you subscribe if you watch the the waterhole. Uh, the broadcast on YouTube, subscribe to it, okay? And then go find people. Just go down the street, get people to subscribe. I don't care what you got to do. I need a thousand subscribers, okay? So make sure that every device you own, you're subscribed to because it works that way too, you know? And so up it, I noticed that, you know, we went up a little bit, but but uh, we got to have a lot. I need a thousand, okay? Uh, to, to It's about negotiations, you know, with YouTube. And so um, I need a thousand subscribers. We've got 465. We had, we got picked up like 40 last week. So we just need to get, we need to just go bulk. Y'all just need to, like I said, just go down the street, find people to say, Hey, let me show you this. Have you seen this YouTube video? And they say, Oh, push subscribe. Why not? I mean, you know, praise God. And this time in the world, everything goes. So praise God, get your Bibles out. Turn if you would to the book of Joshua. Now, it's really interesting this week because I'd been reading just my daily reading in the book of Joshua and seen all kinds of stuff. And then uh, I, I, I am subscribed to some other ministers and I started seeing their texts coming, their videos coming in. And they were all beating me to the punch on preaching on Joshua. And I was like, well, at least praise God, we're all following the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, church, I just want to tell you, you know, I, I, we, we were, we're, it's, this is such a crazy year. Everything going on, you don't know the next, you don't know tomorrow when you turn on the news what, what you're going to see, what kind of the next step of wild craziness is going on, right? And every time you say, I can't believe that happened, then the next day, just, you know, just something else is crazy or, or more. So, you know, we're just in a time right now that we're our best defense of everything going on and our best offense is to just make sure that we're right with Jesus, that we are living our lives like we're supposed to be living our lives, standing strong, keeping ourselves in the place that where we need to be with him. Amen. And so, you know, this is our first Sunday, December. Here we are and already in December, the Christmas season is coming. I declare Christmas is not banned. Christmas is not shut down. We're going to have Christmas. Amen. And Jesus is coming no matter what. And so, uh, you know, this is a great time to be getting ourselves right with the Lord because we're going to have communion here at the end of service. Now, at Living Waters Church, we have an open communion service. You, that we don't have membership in this church. You need to be a member of the body of Christ. You just need to know that you're right with Jesus. Amen. And that that's what that's what makes all the difference in the world. OK. And so. Anyway, we're going to have communion. We're going to get our hearts right. But in this world and everything going on, I guess what's kind of got me floored is that I, I just can't believe they that they did it. You know, I mean, I, 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 people are doing things nowadays that when I was a heathen, didn't even know Jesus, I wouldn't even have thought of doing. Right. And you just see the world is going more and more and more down the tube and anybody will do anything and anybody will cheat and lie and steal and do whatever they want to do. And they for their greater good. But bottom line, it's because of selfishness. Selfishness is self-centeredness. That's what it is. People want it to happen for themselves. Hello? Doesn't make any difference what it is, whether it's, you know, a protest about this or that. It, it comes down to selfishness and self-centered. Very few people on the face of the earth today want to sacrifice for the betterment of everybody else. Hello? 
Jesus came and laid his life down for the world so all the world could be saved and be right with him. Amen? And so uh, the book of Joshua is an amazing book. You know, it, 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 and I'll tell you a little bit, but if just go read it. Go read the first eight chapters at least and, and just look at it. And, you know, you see this transition taking place of Moses is dying and, he's, and the reins have been turned over to Joshua. And God is assuring Joshua that I'm going to be with you just like I was with <clears throat> Moses. That's a good word to have. Amen. And so then Joshua's kind of, you know, feeling his oats. <coughs> Excuse me. Kind of uh, getting in the groove of things. You know, I mean, he had to follow Moses. Talk about some big shoes to fill. <coughs> You got to follow Moses. You got to, you got to, the guy that parted the Red Sea, the guy that stood up to Pharaoh, and now you're taking over. I mean, you know, pressure's on. And so Joshua is feeling good. And this is where I think a lot of Christians are. <clears throat> In other words, you've been a Christian maybe for a, a long time, for most of your life maybe. You've been a Christian. You've believed that Jesus was your Lord and Savior, but then you've just been living life. You've just been going about it, and yeah, you go to church on Sunday, but then the rest of the week, you're just living life. You're just, you're just working, paying the bills, having dreams, want to do this, want to go do that. You've just been living life, and, and for us to be under pressure all of a sudden, some of us are shocked. We're like, oh, wait, what, oh, whoa, 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 we're doing what? Who? What? Because see... It's been too many Christians out there. And I'm not preaching just to y'all because I, I got an audience out there. And plus, I'm talking to the body of Christ all over the, 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 the world. People haven't been. See, we've not been a persecuted country. We've not been a persecuted church. We've not been persecuted for our faith. Never. Not when you look at what persecution really is in other countries for being a Christian. So therefore, our faith is, is surface. But all of a sudden, now it's where the rubber meets the road, man. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I mean, the coronavirus. All right. I mean, people are getting sick and you got to stand and pray that you're not going to get sick or you're going to be healed or you're going to you know, go through less symptoms or whatever. All of a sudden, the whole world is faced with a sickness. And doctors don't give us anything. I mean, come on, really, folks, think about it. The, the advice that they give you is put a piece of tissue over your face so that you can two strings on it and that's going to keep you from getting sick. I mean, come on. Can't you do something better than that? Come on. There's got to be something else. Right. And I was talking to Dr. Brown the other day and, and, and we some things coming up about and I just think it's so funny because I'd seen this earlier about using ivermectin, you know, the, the same thing we drench cattle with for worms. And I was just like, I said, I said, now there you go. Cowboys did it. They already had the cure. Cowboys already had the cure for the whole coronavirus, whatever started, you know. But then it just makes sense that the world needs to be dewormed. <laughs> so why wouldn't ivermectin work? Just deworm the whole lot, right? Can you imagine just the whole thing changing? I mean, like, like I've told you before, I'm a very imaginative person. And so I, I, I see this and all of a sudden it changes from Places where they're doing, you know, uh, brain swabs with the, 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 the deal for coronavirus tests till we got drenching stations. <laughs> and the guys that got the pack on their back and the squirt gun and they had, you know, step on the scales and they weigh and get 
said, well, I'd, I'd rather not take it orally. Can you just run it down my back? Yeah, we got that one over here. I'll run her down your back. <laughs> well, that's what they do with cattle, right? You can do it either way. So anyway, my point is that you just don't know what's going on, right? <clears throat> so here's Joshua, and he's trying to take over. And I mean, we're talking about a God who's done miracles and parted Red Seas and uh, the plagues in, his, in Egypt and all. So he's got a pressure on him. So you see, and I'm going to start in Joshua 3, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Because you need to read the first part, but I can't do that somewhere now. I'm going to run out of time. So Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. When I read that the other day, I thought, man, Lord, I, can I take that literally? Like this Sunday, we're going to have communion and sanctify ourselves, and then tomorrow you're doing wonders. Tomorrow's Pearl Harbor Day, right? What a great day for God just to do just blast in there and do something great. I think that the Japanese attacked. It's going to be, you know, bless God, God's attack, bombs dropping. Prayers of the saints going forth. But he says something, and he says, sanctify yourselves. And when I saw that word, when I saw the word sanctify yourselves, it just hit me. The only thing that we really need to be doing in life is making sure that we're right with Jesus, Amen. that we're right with the Father. That's really all we need to be doing. Your relationship needs to be a, an intimate relationship with the Lord. Now, how many of y'all remember kids, uh, when you're raising kids, and this probably happened to all of us as parents, you're going to sleep in on a Saturday, and you have smaller children, and so you're in the bed, and you're trying to act like you're not awake because you know that the child is standing right there by the bed looking at you. Huh? We've all experienced it. They're standing there looking. And so you're trying not to move because you don't want them to think, you want them to think you're asleep. But you can't, their presence is just right there. You know it. And then the minute you twitch, mama, daddy, whatever, hello, they're there. That's the way we need to be with Jesus right now. Hello, we need to be like that with Jesus. No matter what we're doing, we know he's right there. I mean, he is just right there with us in our relationship because folks, Things are moving along so crazily, and there's so many demonic things taking place that it's just like, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, dodge that one. <laughs> you didn't get me there. And you're like, whoa, shoo, there's another one. You know, I mean, it's coming crazy. I saw an article uh, this week where uh, the state of New Jersey is putting for their legislatures to vote for full term abortions. And I just like, I don't even understand all this is going on. We can't even get settled who the president is. And y'all are over here just trying to go for this now. And, 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 and it's just ridiculous. All right. So my point is, we just need to be close to Jesus because things are going to happen fast. Now, the other thing I want to tell you is <clears throat> I really believe this with all of my heart. See, we're, we're looking at it the perspective because we're in the now. We're here. We're seeing it. This is the way we're looking at it. But if you went forward 10 years and looked back, right? If you could do that, if you could jump forward 10 years in the future and look back, you will be seeing that we're going to be the generation that's living through the most biblical prophecy ever fulfilled. We're living through the days that, the, that, that is literally being written in the, in the Bible. And so just like you read the book of Acts where it says, 
You know, uh, the apostles were persecuted and they went all throughout the land preaching the gospel. And you're like, wow, well, that's us today. We're living biblical prophecy being fulfilled. Do y'all know something just to give y'all a little heads up here in case you, you, you don't get all into the, the real news? Uh, while all of this is going on, while we're here in America and, and, and everybody's jumping up and down and Biden's trying to get his administration lined up and, and finding every wacko that he possibly can to put in there. And uh, <clears throat> well, write me a letter if you don't like what I say. And so, um, you know, he's trying to do that. Did you know that President Trump uh, just got a new peace accord with Sudan, to, uh, with Israel? Did you know that that just happened? In other words, while we're doing here, Biblical prophecy is being fulfilled because President Trump is actually doing things in the world that are fulfilling biblical prophecy. While everybody else is running around trying to figure out how they're going to confiscate guns and make us wear a mask for 100 days and this, that, and the other, right? Things that don't make anything because it's all selfish, self-centered, and things about what they want to do to promote their agenda and their lives. And folks, that's what the problem is, Okay. So anyway, you don't get to do that when you're in the army of God. When you're in the army of God, you follow orders. When you're in the army, you're supposed to follow orders. But when you're in the army of God, there's only one commander in chief. We're going to look at that in just a minute. So anyway, Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand there. Okay, so let me ask you a question. <clears throat> I believe what, well, let me just tell you. I, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to tell you. Um, there's a lot of people standing around waiting for God to do something, but I'm telling you, God's standing around waiting for us to do something. They're all wanting God to do something. Big storm come up, big lightning flashing things happening, but God's waiting for us to do something because let me ask you something. If Joshua right there wouldn't have believed what God said and said, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if God's with me or not. I don't know if you're really going to do this or not. Y'all just hold up. Would God, have, would they have ever got to the Jordan? Would the priest have ever carried the ark out? Would they have ever stepped on the water, the edge of the water, it said, and then the waters parted and they actually crossed on dry land? Would that miracle have taken place if Joshua wouldn't have moved forward? And what I'm saying to us as Christians, we have to sanctify ourselves, make sure we're right with Jesus, hear his word and move forward, because if we don't move, God's not going to move. And we're getting to the time and place, dear, sweet children of God that you cannot be quiet anymore. You can't be quiet anymore. You have to be vocal about Jesus. You don't need to argue. We're not, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just telling people they need to be right with him. That there is a broad path and a narrow path. Get on the narrow path and then you'll understand why you were crazy when you were over on the broad path. You know, you, you realize that you can't understand what's going on if you're walking the broad path because you're, you're, you're bought you sold that, that bill of goods, that lie. I preach Wednesday, you just have to go back and listen to it about, about the devil's psyops that he's using on all of us to, 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 to come in and, and, and his, 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 his uh, psychological warfare that he's putting on each and every one of us to try to get us to believe and to fall down the, the, this, this course. But see, when you're on the broad path that leads to destruction, you just have bought into the lie and you're just going along because everybody else is going that way. Yeah, let's just go this way. Here, yeah, this is a good job. This is going down there. It'll be all right. 
But then when you get up over on the narrow path, oh man, I saw a video this week of an Ibex sheep. And I, and I didn't I didn't listen to the, the video to pay all attention. It was in a foreign country. They built a dam. They built this dam out of rock, out of the natural rock that was from the, 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 the area there. They built this this up to, and it had a little bit of a slope back. And these Ibex sheep all wanting to lick salt that comes from the stone. And I'm telling you, this this thing was at 500 foot tall at least. And it was just a sheer, you know, they mortared it all in there. It's rock and all this mortar. But these ibex would go over there and they wanted that to, to lick the salt that was in the mineral that was in the, the stone. And so they would, they would start crawling up the side of this thing. I guarantee you, you and I with ropes and anchors couldn't have made it five foot up this thing. And these things would just get a foothold and then just start going. And you would see them all the way up at the top of the dam. And I mean, it's 500 foot to the bottom and it looks like it's a straight shot and they're just up there enjoying life because they're hanging there the way they can. They're so have that ability just to get their hooves in any little spot and just stay there like it was nothing. And I thought to myself, that's the narrow path, you know, to the narrow path that a Christian walks. It's not hard because after a while you're equipped to do it. Those Ibex are equipped to stand on that on that rock, on that little bitty ledge, and it's not a big deal to them. And we're looking like, oh, they're going to fall. The mamas take their babies up the thing. But when you're on the, the wide path of destruction, you're just going along with all the rest of the stupids down the, the road. But then all of a sudden you get on the narrow path, you're looking over there and saying, man, I can't believe I was walking over there in that wide path. Look at that. That don't make no sense. That deception's gone. And so what the devil's always want to do, he's always want to do psychological warfare only to keep you on the wide path. But we got to get over on the narrow path. Okay? Because the narrow path is where there's victory. The narrow path is where there's 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 going to always be there's always going to be glory. Oh man. Amen. Okay. So next scripture, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, the whole the whole chapter again is great. And I'm going to be going back to Joshua here in just a second, but just hold on. Because what I preach Wednesday night was seeing the unseen. And what we as Christians have to do right now is listen to me. Who's going to win? Let me ask you a question. Who's going to, no, I'm not talking president. Who's going to win the war for the world? Who's going to win? I, I, right? We are. Jesus is. Right? We're going to win because we read the back of the book. We already knows what happens. Right? Right? Okay. So then why does we even, why do we even, why do we even, allow just a little bit of thought in our mind that the enemy is going to have victory. Why do we let him talk us into those little things? Well, you know, oh, Sister Bertha over there, she's a strong Christian. You know, sometimes things just don't work out like you think they're going to. Listen, why are you basing your faith upon what happened to somebody else or what you've seen? And it's, that doesn't line up with what the word says. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. Faith becomes real when you begin to hope and you begin to see what God can do, is doing, and will do. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Everybody says, well, I believe it when I see it. Listen to me, you got to see it. You got to believe it, and then you're going to see it. Hebrews 11, 6 says, now, now God is going to, without faith, it's impossible to please him, okay? 
And for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Listen to me, you're not gonna find your walk with Jesus and your walk with your heavenly father victorious if you're believing all the time the devil might win or the devil's gonna win or the devil's gonna make you sick or the devil's gonna kill you or the devil's gonna destroy America or the devil's gonna have his way or oh my gosh, the devil's gonna win. We gotta be these powerful Christians. These Christians that see the unseen. We gotta be these Christians that are willing to like, like Joshua when he, when he gets out there in the middle of the battle and says, I don't have, I'm running out of daylight. We got a war to fill. Sun, stop. How outlandish is that? You're now telling the sun to stop. Go back to Joshua chapter six. Joshua chapter six. Joshua chapter six, verse one. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. Okay, so Josh, uh, Jericho at that time was one of the most fortified cities. They, they, they said they had chariot races on the walls. They were unbelievable. It was, a, it was a huge fortified city. And it was all shut up. The doors were closed. Everything was shut up. Nobody was going to get through it. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. Now, here's Joshua. We already told you about his state of mind. He's taken over from Moses. He's trying to do good. He's trying to hold on. He's trying to, you know, but he's, he's a novice. He's been watching Moses lead. He's been right there by his, his right hand, but he's a novice. And God takes him out and says, see, I've given you Jericho. And I bet you in his mind, he's like, oh, yeah, that is a walled city. I bet he's trying to do like, I bet he's smiling and trying to say, mm, yeah, mm. hoping that God can't read his thoughts because he's probably thinking, oh, my gosh, look how big that thing is. Look at all the people. Look at the spears. Look at all the, the warriors on the walls. And it's a, it's a mighty place. And oh, I, I. See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's kings. It's mighty men of valor. Now, this is what you're going to do. You're going to march around the city. Oh, you and all the men of war, you're going to go and you're going to march around the city once. And you're going to do this for six days. And then the seventh day, you shall bear seven trumpets and seven ram's horns before the ark. Before the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when you make a long blast of the trumpets with the ram's horns, and when they hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. Don't you know Joshua's just like, I'm going to walk around the city not saying anything six times. We're going to get ourselves in battle array, and we're just going to walk around the city and go back to the tent. We'll wait till the next morning. We're going to do that for six days. Seventh day, we're going to go out there. We're going to walk around it seven times, and then everybody's going to shout, and the walls are going to fall down. You talk about having to trust God. Do you realize how stupid the man would look if he wasn't hearing God? This is not a proven battle tactic. This is not that we're going to lay siege to them. We're going to allow nothing to come in. We're going to starve them out. I'm going to send a plague in there. They're all going to get sick. They're going to die. They're going to have to come out. There was nothing of this. But faith is some of the things hope for the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, you're not going to please God. All right? Without faith, you're not going to please God. Now, go over here and let me show you one other verse. Go over here to uh, Joshua chapter 5. Go back a chapter, Joshua chapter 5 or 2. Go to chapter 5, verse 13. Something had happened, though, that gave Joshua a little bit of confidence in what God was saying. 
And it happens right here in, in before Joshua goes to seas and God says, see, I've given you the city and all this kind of stuff. In verse 13, it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to you, are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, just listen to this. He says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I've come. In other words, I'm not for your adversaries. I'm not necessarily for you. I'm for me. There's a kingdom of God taking place here. You can either get on my bandwagon and we'll go forward or, and I'm telling you folks, God's not through with America. And I'm telling you, God did not start 400 years ago with a Mayflower coming to America and landing here and going through everything that went through for God all of a sudden now to get cheated out of an election. Can you see God the Father who created the heavens and the earth and all that ran in six days, sat down, drank a Coke under a tree on the seventh and enjoyed it? Can you see him turning to Jesus and saying, what are we going to do? We wanted Trump for four more years, but they, they stole it. I don't know, Father. They're smarter than we are. They cheated. Are you with me here? Are you, are you, he, he, God is not, it is his war, his country, and we are his people. And we don't need to be on their side or their side. We need to be on his side going forth and letting God be God. And people are saying, no, no, no we got to go this way. No, no, no it's got to be Rebecca. No, 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 it's got to I want God. It's who I want. I want God's kingdom. I want God's army. I want the commander of the armies of God to be mo- moving and functioning. And so Joshua said, okay. He says, but as commander of the Lord, of the army of the Lord, I've come to you. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. He worshiped where he was. And he says, what does the Lord say to his servant? Hello? Where are we going to be today? Are we going to be that person like Joshua fall on the face before the Lord and say, what do you want me to do, Lord? Well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go walk around that thing seven times. And I want to knock the walls down. See, folks, we keep forgetting. We keep thinking God can't move. God can move if he has some servants to move through. And what God is saying to each and every one of us today is when we're going to come here at the end of service and we're going to take communion, are we his servants? Are we going to sanctify our hearts and become his servants today and say, look, Lord, I I don't want to waste any energy, any emotional energy being angry at so-and-so and and being angry at this and, you know, going and doing that. I'm not going to be worrying about the the, the lust of my flesh, Lord. It's just whatever you want to do. I'm your servant, whatever, however you'd like to lead me. Because, folks, if you're doing that, you're in a good place because all you're sitting around doing is waiting for marching orders. Okay. So, in this whole mix of what was going on, there was this lady named Rahab. And Rahab was there, and she, she saw the spies, and she had already seen, she had already told them, said, look, the whole fear of the Lord has come upon this town. We know who you are. We know what went on. We know who, what you've done, all the kings you've killed. We went, whoa, man, we all know what's going on with you. Isn't it amazing that all the city knew it? But only one lady who they said who said was a harlot had any sense to know what to do. Are you hearing me, folks? 
Just because everybody isn't jumping on the same bandwagon, that doesn't mean you're wrong. See, I don't want to have to try to decide what, what needs to take place in government and all this. I just want to know, are we doing what Jesus told us to do? And see, folks, as long as we keep walking in holiness and walking in sanctification before the Lord and we keep keeping our hearts right and we keep going forward, then God's going to have a, 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 an avenue to work through us to do whatever he wants to do for our area. But if we keep wanting God to line up with us, we're not going to get anywhere. Today, it seems like people are really, really afraid about hurting somebody else's feelings, but nobody's afraid of hurting God's feelings. Everybody's tippy-toeing around issues, tippy-toeing around this, tippy-toeing around that. But nobody's wondering if, what about God? And that's where we need to be. That's where we need to be, right in the middle of it. Now, over in Hebrews chapter 11, when God talked about Rahab, he, he mentioned her again in Hebrews chapter 11. And so that she, she rescued her whole family, all of her family who came to the house with her was rescued and saved, that whole family, out of the whole city. But the whole city knew what she knew, but she was the only one that was saved because she was the only one that had any faith. Now listen to me. Let me tell you something really simple here. Okay. We always want to make faith complicated. We always want to like, you know, like she was like, I got faith. I got, it. I got to hold it right now. I got it. But listen to me. The things of the kingdom of God, they're not complicated. They're really very simple. Matter of fact, Jesus said anybody that would have even would have faith like a child, like a child, that that person would, <coughs> you know, get whatever he wanted. So <coughs> if the kind of faith we need is childlike faith, then why do we strive to go to the highest levels of education and learning to try to get hold of what faith is. But if faith is something that's so simple that a child produces it, are y'all following me here? So because of bad experiences in life, because of bad experiences being raised with family that, that didn't always do right, we get warped in our thinking, but it simply means that, you know, I mean, when... I mean, my kids still do it to me. Come up and ask for something, I'm going to give it to them. Go ask Dad, he'll do it. Or now go ask Papa, he'll do it. Hello? And so where did we lose this? That we're just not believing that God who 400 years ago had some people sail over on a Mayflower to start in America, that now we're going to lose everything because, you know, he can't do anything. The only reason why he couldn't do anything is because there's nobody praying and he didn't have any servants to work through. But I say he's got some here. And all we have to do is keep our hearts right. All right? Now, how do you know if your heart's right? Okay, it's real simple. I'm trying to give us simple things today. It's real simple to know if your heart's right. Okay? This is how you know your heart's right. That you're not convicted that your heart's wrong. If the Holy Ghost isn't picking on your shoulder saying, <clears throat> you really ought to not do that or don't do that, or you're looking around the corner to make sure nobody's seeing you do it. How about that? If you're not trying to hide something. Paul said, I live before God and man with a clean conscience. That doesn't mean what Paul did was everything was right, because some people 
didn't like him eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. Others of him, <clears throat> you know, they, they uh, didn't like him doing this and that. It's like Pastor Wynn told me a story about that, that there was a, uh, a, a two church denominations there in Europe, and one of them believed that it was a sin to smoke, and the other one believed it was a sin to drink coffee because it was a stimulant. And so they would get in arguments all the time. And these would be smoking over here saying, there's nothing wrong with smoking. And these over here would be drinking coffee saying, ain't nothing wrong with drinking coffee. But the others were going back and forth, you see. But what I'm saying to you is it, the best place to be is don't have man tell me what needs to be in my life, but have the Holy Ghost tell me what needs to be in my life and to see is my own heart convicted. And I see this gets off because that's, that's, that sounds like cheap grace, but it's not cheap grace. It's living under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can start off with, if it doesn't line up at this word, you don't even have to be convicted about it. Don't do it. All right? But we keep our hearts right by keeping our relationship with the Holy Ghost to a degree that he's right there, and he's bringing conviction in our heart that what we did was wrong. So when you choose somebody out, and the Holy Ghost like, <clears throat> yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You rectify it. When you have a bad thought about somebody and you go to bad mouth them or whatever, and then you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You're convicted. You, you say, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I repent. I shouldn't have done that. That's all he's asking. Because that relationship with the Holy Ghost keeps you sanctified because the only thing that's going to keep you sanctified is the blood of Jesus. It's not your works. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember, Jesus died for you while you were a sinner. He did not, not die for you because you finally got yourself cleaned up and he thought he could tolerate you. He died for you while you were a sinner. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. We keep ourselves under the blood of Jesus. We keep ourselves on what was going on. At Calvary. Amen? I, I'll just tell you this quick story. The other day, uh, I, I, was, I was having to move some equipment around and, and, and hauling some stuff, and, and I just knew that there was a, it was cold that morning, and I just hate to hit my finger when, I'm, when it's cold. You know, that's just like the worst. And so I was just being so cautious, and, and I've tried to learn from Dr. Brown's message about being mindful and not getting in a hurry. And I'm just going to be mindful that you're going to do this. And I started out the morning and I read my Bible and I prayed and I did all this kind of stuff. And so I was just so going to just watching myself. Don't get upset. Don't get Don't let anything happen. Come on, just take it easy. So everything I did was real methodical and just real thought out. And I'm going to do what? Oh, man, hurt my, I'm going to hit my finger on that. I was like, watch out. You know, so I was really paying attention going through this. And so the first half of the morning was really good. And I didn't have any problems. And there were some strenuous times, and I, a little bit of anger, wanted to rise up and get mad and hit, sling a hammer around or do something crazy. And, and I didn't do it because I thought, well, I might hurt myself, you know, doing it. So just calm down, be mindful, be in the situation. Come on, Lord, help me, Holy Ghost, you can get me through this. And so I did really well until I, I was, the last thing I was going to do was get on and, 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 and load an excavator. And I slammed the door and I slammed my finger in the door caught between two pieces of round metal and it was and I was hung and the door shut and I couldn't get the door open I had to kick the door of my foot to get it open it was all smashed and I lost it I mean that was the thing no I have my finger I lost it <laughs> I lost my cool got mad went to spit flying throwing stuff and just you know went off the reservation okay 
And immediately though I stopped because I said, you know, I, I stopped myself and I said, Robert, you're only going to make things worse. I don't want to get into major sin in here. I'm only going to make things worse. I want to keep myself right with you, Lord. So I stopped and I prayed. And I said, Jesus, you just got to help me here. I'm sorry. I, I blew up. I shouldn't have done that. Hurt my finger, though, Lord. I don't like it when I smash my finger. And so, you know, hey, he didn't give me no sympathy. And so, so I, I just prayed over and I prayed over my finger. And, and, you know, and it finally quit hurting. And, you know, I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, this is, I, I just, I don't want to be right. I don't want to get, do anything else wrong. So I load up, load up, jump in the truck, take off, drive down the road. One of my good brothers here from church gives me a phone call in a minute and said, Robert, is that you going down the road? And, and I said, yeah. And he said, well, your ramp's down. So I thought, well, in the big tizzy there, I never put the other ramp up. I only put one side of the ramp up, didn't put the other ramp up. I've been dragging it down the road all the way. I'm halfway to Sap now. So I'm imagining when I stop, I'm imagining that I have mangled and done everything, you know, that's going to cost me even more work. And so when I walk around the side of the trailer and I look, the ramp, it has these, these, also these little cables that help you lift it, had lifted the thing up and it was running about that far off the road. It was just made my trailer just one ramp longer, but it was running right off the road and never touched. There was not a scratch on it. it didn't scratch any paint off of it. Wasn't tweaked, wasn't anything. And I thought to myself, if I would not have stopped and prayed before I did that, that thing would have been hung on the back of somebody's car probably. <laughs> I'd have tore that thing to pieces. Point being, that's a simple example of the way we should be living our lives, right? You're going to get stressed. You're going to get pressed. You're going to get there. But stop and pray. Stop and ask the Holy Ghost to help you. Stop and say, Lord, just forgive me for what I'm thinking. Help me here, Lord God. You, you loved me when I was a rotten sinner, and now I'm at least saved, trying to live for you. So, Lord, I think you even love me more now than to put your blood on me. Help me, Jesus. Get through the day. And I'm telling you, folks, that is what's called sanctification, you're not going to have this one experience with Jesus. I'm perfect now. It ain't going to happen. You're going to get stretched throughout your entire life. So our job is to keep our hearts right with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, so last scripture, and then we're going to have communion. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. We didn't want to have to go through some coronavirus. We didn't want to have to go through some election. We didn't want to have to go through all the things we went through. But this is the race that's been set before us, church. You were born for this time. How do I know that? Because the Bible says you were. Right? So you were born to be in this time. So you got the goods it takes to run the race that's set before us. But we are not going to make it if we don't look to Jesus. Because if you look to CNN, right, or anything, you're, gonna get, you're not going to get led in the right direction. But if you look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, you know what's going to happen? You're going to finish your race. So today I want you to be encouraged. It's not out of your hands to do everything God called you to do. You just have to keep your heart right. Amen? That's all you have to do is keep your heart right. Look at the person beside you and say, keep your heart right. Amen? So, when in doubt, pray. Now, I thought about this. Uh, 
this this stuff is supposed to what? Um, not sterilize. Um, sanitize. Thank you. It's supposed to sanitize your hands, right? Kill everything. Could be lurking. And if this stuff can sanitize your hand, what can one drip of the blood of Jesus do to sanctify your soul? So we're going to have communion. And so whatever's gone on, whatever, wherever you're at, all you've got to do is come to the front. All you've got to do is repent and ask for his blood upon your life, and he will set you free. Amen? For those of you out there watching, I'm going to be breaking the bread and blessing the elements here in just a minute. And so if you have your elements there at home and you're going to be taking communion with us like that, well, then you can do that in just a minute. So get them ready as we get ready here. So can I have my pastoral team come up and prayer team this morning, whoever's going to help me? The Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, right now we take this bread. And Lord, even though it's just a simple loaf of bread, we know that it represents your broken body for us. And Lord, we take it and we break it and we thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for us so that we could be healed. We could be whole because you were broken. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you for that. And we praise you for your, th this bread, Lord God, is given for us. For those of you at home, just take and eat the bread now. Then afterwards, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out of my blood for the forgiveness of sins. A new covenant. The old covenant said you had to jump through all the hoops. You had to obey the law. You had to go through everything. Thousands and thousands of covenants and ordinances you had to follow. But now there's only one. Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you given your heart to him? And if so, you're in a new covenant. And his blood washes you and cleanses you of your sin. So Lord, we thank you for this cup and this new covenant, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. So take and drink.